once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Listening to episode 262 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, available for download or streaming on Monday, March 14th, 2016, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And as always, in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hey, folks. I gotta say, it's good to be back in the seat, and a big thanks to Tony for filling in for me while I was away doing the Adams Family musical. Yeah, well, it's really good to have you back, Eliza. We did miss you. And of course, we wanted to say a big, big thanks to Tony for filling in. He was great while he was here, but now he's not anymore. So You can catch him on Guard Frequency. It's a pretty decent show. You should check it out. Yeah, I've heard that. So, Kenna, what do we have in store this week? Well, we're getting back to Formula this week, and we start by trekking out some additional insight into the new Star Trek series coming out in January 2017. A very special guest has also been added to the list for Star Trek Las Vegas. And for all you do-it-yourselfers out there that like to tinker with gadgets, we've got an awesome project for you to work on this week. In Stow News, Winters and I will update you on the latest from the game. Then Cookie and Elijah are back with their next on-screen review of TNG's The Big Goodbye. Later, Henry gives us his review of some amazing Star Trek-inspired fan creations. And of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, this show isn't just for us, it's for you too. And we love your engagement. So chat with us during our live stream recordings every Thursday night at about 6 p.m. Eastern at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. Or you can join in on the discussion via one of our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also leave a comment on our website or leave us a voicemail by using the speak pipe widget at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And speaking of ways you personally can improve the show, we just posted our first ever listener survey on PriorityOnePodcast.com. We would very much appreciate it if you could spare a few minutes of your day to help us better understand what you like or don't like about the show. With your responses, we can improve the quality of the show and make sure we keep you actively engaged. And finally, a big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, new and old, who make this show possible from week to week. With your help, we keep the lights on and the servers running. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out all about the cool perks we have to offer. Now let's check out what's going on this week in the Star Trek universe. Show what places. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Well, we know that everyone is trying to find ways of celebrating Star Trek's 50th. Some are going to local conventions, some are attending concerts, some are even traveling thousands of miles to spend a long, hot week in Las Vegas for Creation Entertainment's 50th anniversary celebrations. Now, if you've been debating on whether or not you should attend STLV, it was recently announced that Whoopi Goldberg will be making her first ever Star Trek convention appearance. 
And for those of you attending Star Trek Mission New York, two new guests have also been announced. Terry Farrell, who played Jazia Dax on DS9, and Michael Dorn, our favorite Klingon, Worf. That's really exciting about Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, she's never done a convention before, and so it's nice to see them coming out for the 50th and, you know, and creation paying whatever they needed to pay her because I'm sure that she's not cheap. But I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that she will also go to Mission New York because she's doing The View still, no? Or or is, does she retire from that? And I'm almost positive that The View is filmed in New York, so it would only make sense for her to, to, to be there too. I know that she's never been actually asked before because I've seen uh, Captain Summit that was recorded, well, quite a few years ago now. And it was Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner... Jonathan Frakes and Patrick Stewart and they were talking uh, about conventions and it came up that Whoopi has never gone to one and she has never been invited or asked would she attend and the others couldn't believe it. I can't believe that. Yeah. No, she, she said it. No, I can believe it because, you know, they reach out to the... They're not reaching out to the actor. They're reaching out to their agent, right? So, you know, the agent replies back with the number of what it's going to cost to to get them to the convention, they could just very well be like, nah, okay, well, let's not ask. God, but it's freaking Guinan. Actual Guinan. One of my favorite all-time Star Trek characters. Yeah, she's pretty... I was... I just watched... I just rewatched uh, part one, Time's Arrow. So, um, yeah, that was... That's a good... It's a good one. Oh, everything she was in was good. I just... I could... I could wax poetic about Whoopi Goldberg and her performances as Guinan. Just... Ugh. Love it. I love every guy in an and the, episode. The best part of it the best part of it is or the best part of her portrayal of Guinan is that it wasn't just a gig for her. She wanted to be on Trek. So you can see that. You can see that in her performance. Is that she's excited to be on that soundstage performing as Guinan in Star Trek. Well, and she's not she never brought it as like just uh, hey, I'm I'm uh, international film star Whoopi Goldberg and here I am doing a cameo as like uh, a Cardassian like hey you know check me out in some makeup and blah 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 she like that character like the character of Guinan is so deep and well written and just works perfectly wherever they you know wherever she popped up and wherever she needed to be she was perfect and I just yeah loved it speaking of Star Trek television CBS president and CEO Les Moonves revealed why the new series wasn't being released until January 2017. It turns out that because of the nature in which the Star Trek IP is split between CBS and Paramount, CBS had to wait six months until after the release of the third reboot film, Star Trek Beyond. Six months. According to Moonves, quote, our deal with them is that we had to wait six months after their film is launched so that there wouldn't be a confusion in the marketplace, end quote. Holy crap, am I so sick and tired of this the, the IP war. It's confusing. I think that it's hurting the franchise. I think that one of them needs to take ownership. And and that's why I asked in the, in the Hangout uh, if Paramount has made television series right because paramount we know is owns the movie rights they don't own the show rights so but if if paramount has made television before then just buy it just go ahead and make the purchase and let it be under paramount and let paramount control everything or cbs buy out the film rights and i don't know you know let let a third party create the movies license the license it for a film 
and let them take control. But it's hurting it. It's really hurting the franchise, especially when I hear things like this, that they had to wait six months for the new series because they didn't want confusion in the marketplace. That's just ridiculous. I, I don't know. I think that's a little bit reassuring that uh, we're going back to Prime Universe and not JJ Universe. I could be wrong, but that's what I take from it. Maybe I, I guess I suppose that that it, it you know it, it's an indication of that, but it's still to me, you know this this battle, this constant battle of who's in charge of what, uh, I think hurts hurts the franchise and hurts the fans specifically. And I don't even want to get into the whole Axanar thing, right? But you know it, it's whether it's fan film, then the fan films are afraid. Oh, who am I, is this? You know who do I have to talk to? Is it CBS? Is it Paramount? And then just again in storytelling. You know who's in charge? Who who holds the key? You know. Can I can I point something out? Because I, I thought it was really interesting that what you said a little bit ago about uh, why doesn't one of them just buy out the other one? No, because did you hear this a few weeks ago that Paramount and Viacom are selling a minority share of of Paramount because they've had some some pretty big bombs lately? And I wonder if CBS does like really really well with all access. Let's just do that. <laughs> Let's all buy into CBS All Access, and then they'll just have the cash, and then they can steal it back away from Paramount. And Bob's your uncle. I mean, yeah, it could. I mean, it could be an indication of a possible hostile takeover of of if there's well, minority shares, maybe not. Yeah, no, no, you know, minority shares, but you know, it could be advantageous, and then they would just, none of them would have to deal with it ever again. The thing that I also want to know is if CBS had to wait for six months after the release of the film. Does that mean that Paramount has to wait for six months after the end of the series? Because, like, potentially that could be like you know eight years from now. <laughs> I think there would be a lot of people who would be happy about that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But with CBS All Access, are they are they doing like a Netflix where they release the whole series and then you can binge watch it, or are they doing a week to week type? Oh of no, they won't release. They won't. They won't let you binge watch it. No, no, you don't no, think? no, not not a million years because they're trying to launch this new service, and it's like it's a monthly service, and their flagship show is Star Trek. So they're gonna get you hooked for like they're probably gonna release one a month. No, they won't do that. It'll be weekly, but uh, it it will not be been no because <laughs> you know all of all of us Star Trek nerds because we all live in our parents' basements, right? So we're all gonna sit down and binge watch the whole thing in two days and then cancel our CBS All Access subscription. They're just not gonna do that. That's an interesting. I I didn't I hadn't thought about it until now and. Yeah, I mean they want to keep you in for as long as possible. That's that's part of the point I of a see subscription that, but service. I, you know what though? CBS tends to muck things up for the choice of a better word. I have watched them they're going to watch them release it as a binge watch kind of thing and all of a sudden CBS All Access is failing and you want because you would think that and you're right, you would think that they would release it little by little as to, you know to keep people paying. But watch them do like a Netflix and then they're going to they're going to completely crash and burn. And CBS All Access is going to just die out, and then we lose all of Star Trek again because they made a mistake. I don't think that's going to happen. As much as you want it to. No, it's not going to happen. No, the reason that Netflix, I think, works as a subscription service, but they can release things binge-watchable, which they're not they are not doing with everything now. Uh, or is it... Marvel. Uh, Marvel's... Um, Daredevil's is uh, being fully released. No, I'm getting confused because uh, Lucifer. Is that a Netflix one or is that an Amazon one? I'm sorry, I have both, and I get very confused about the two. I thought Lucifer was on Fox. Oh, well, it's it's been licensed over here, then. they uh, That one here is one that they release on 
one or the other of them. I can't remember. That's which. why then, and they do it weekly. Yeah, Lucifer is on a is on a network television station here. So my guess is that yeah, they don't release it that way on 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 that side of the pond because of the fact that they don't want you know the the they don't want us to yeah. binge watch it. No, okay, that makes sense then. But I think part of the reason that Netflix and Amazon work as binge watching is that they have enough content that rotates frequently enough that you can move no from one the, exactly you're moving from one to another to another to another where if CBS All Access if they've got all of the full library of their former CBS shows you might be able to do that but I think they would be seriously limiting so- themselves to just CBS content will there be films on there I don't know is it going to be enough to keep people's interest on a rotating basis and actually keep paying month after month I, I think it's unlikely especially at the start so while all of us are patiently waiting for the new series to come out, what about trying a little DIY project? It's probably safe to assume that many of you out there are quite tech savvy. Maybe you build your own computers like me, code your own program, website, or app. And maybe now you're looking for that next tech project that will take your daily life to a whole new level. So what about a home automation system that's styled in L cars and built with Raspberry Pi? Yup. With Raspberry Pi and some Python coding, you too can display a TNG-era LCARS interface on a touchscreen and issue commands. You've really got to watch the video demonstration on YouTube to believe it. It's got sound effects and everything. The awesome thing is that this DIYer, Toby Kurian, has shared everything you need, except for the equipment, of course, on GitHub. So, captains, if you decide to take on this project, do let us know. Maybe you can even document the creation from beginning to end, and we can share it with the rest of the Trek community. I personally think this thing looks amazing. It is. It's super cool. Oh my god. An actual L-car is like in your actual house. And and it, it looks like the way he unlocked it was that he had to hit certain quadrants on the touchscreen. Because the, when it when it's in like sleep or idle mode, you, you see the Starfleet Academy logo. It's just awesome. It's so cool. And it's sound effect and everything, sound effects and all. And the graphics, the, the graphic actually, you know, like the waves that you normally would see, like in the LCAR screensavers that you have on your computer, they actually mean something, like the temperature of your home and stuff and like what the varying degrees were. Super cool. The question is, is there any, you know, because it's on this like, because it's built with the Raspberry Pi, it's, you know, it's a little machine. Is there any lag when you're firing photon torpedoes at the dogs that are barking down your street? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. So that brings us to this week's community question. Have you ever taken on a Star Trek-themed do-it-yourself project? Let us know what it was and show it off to us if you can. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to Stone News, where this week, Winters and I are talking about the latest goings-on in Star Trek Online. It's been a pretty quiet week again, presumably, as we are gearing up for season 11.5, but it gives us a chance to talk about some of the issues that we don't normally get to talk about. So last week we introduced the Breach special event queue, and after having the opportunity to play it a few times, I'd like to talk about it a little more in depth. So uh, we'll just start off by saying that my opinion of it is that it's definitely what I would consider an optional event. Um, 
And I don't know if that is, if you know what I mean by that. It's not meant to be a negative comment, but um, I think it's one of those things that I wouldn't say is a must play. I think the big bonus of it is the uh, Admiralty card that you get out of the end, which is uh, a, a pretty impressive one, and I will miss out on it, but um, for me personally, the effort of doing this event is not worth that particular Admiralty card. And the reason being because I haven't actually just played Star Trek Online in a long time. I'm trying to level up some characters and I, I enjoy playing story content. And between the anniversary event um, and uh, and then this, I, I feel like I don't I feel like I don't have any time to actually play. So um, I probably am gonna give this one a miss. What about you, Winters? Have you are are you going through it all? I actually am, and I'm going through it on uh, most of my characters, and I have a lot of characters. Um, you're right that the the card is definitely nice. So is the fifty thousand dilithium. Um, but well, yeah, it's it's a taxing queue, or it's a very taxing event. It, yes. it takes a lot out of you. Um, and one thing I was actually going to ask you was. What would make it worthwhile for you? Do you think it needs a slightly more bump or increase in the rewards? Just nope. You, you think the rewards are fine? The rewards are fine for what it is. I think what it needs to be is it needs to be quick and dirty. Right. Like, I like the crystalline. If it's going to be something that I have to do day in, day out for three weeks or, well, two weeks, really. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't got a lot of time and I am now at the point because we had the winter event and then we had the anniversary event and now we got this event. It's like, I would like to play my characters now and I've, I've, I've run out of patience. I, this queue is too long because it, it eats up my entire sort of playtime, really. And I definitely don't want to do it on more than one character. I don't know how you do it, seriously. Yeah, it's, um, you're, you're talking at least 20 minutes in this queue to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's to be fair. Now it's a good cue. I I enjoy it. I actually really like it. I think you know you have to use your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to think about it. It isn't too hard. Uh, the first time I played it, oh my god, I had no idea what was going on. Right. I mean, even with the like directional arrows, I really didn't know what was going on. Um, but once I got sort of into the swing of things, it was fine. But. Um, for a daily, I need to not be thinking about it like that. Right. It's just it doesn't it doesn't work for me. Right. Um, in that format, so unfortunately, that's that that's kind of where I'm at. I got quite a kick out of uh, the directional arrows, and so did a lot of people in my fleet. Um, a lot of people said that it was. It, they can see it is dumbed down an awful lot, which I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but. Uh, it, as I said earlier, it is a very big time investment. 20 minutes guaranteed to do the queue. Um, or, like, I was playing earlier on today, and I just wasn't on a good character, and the the pub group that I ended up with wasn't that good. We were in there for 38 and a half minutes. <laughs> and we just barely got to the very end. Uh, it was absolutely horrible. Um, and you're right, you know, like that amount of time investment for a daily, it's, it's very taxing, very, very taxing. Well, and I made the mistake of the first time I ever played it. So I didn't really know what was happening. Mm-hmm. I played it in my Krennan science vessel, which is pretty slow, even at full impulse. Right. 
Um, and I had everybody in front of me. I mean, it was a pretty decent pug group, actually. Um, so they were taking out all the stuff that needed to be taken out. But I was like at full impulse chugging along and I was miles behind everybody else. Right. Um, it, it just, it, you have to be in the right ship and you, you got to get the timings right. And like the, the most annoying thing is you get targeted by some random thing right as you go in so that you lose your full impulse and then you have to chug along really slowly. Yeah. It just, um, it just doesn't quite work for me as a daily. Um, but that you know, it kind of raises the question: where where does that fit in then? Because it's a good piece of content. Yep. But if it's too much for a daily, um, and I think it probably would be too much as a regular queue for the same reason. Like, you don't want to lose that content. Well, it's actually a lot shorter now. There's uh, much fewer objectives than what it was originally before it was mm. retired and brought back for this new event. The way it worked before was. You know when you start off and you're going down that channel across the top of the ship and every now and then you come to an area where you stop and you have to take out a number of points and then you progress forward. When you got to the far end of the ship where you come out the back side of it, there was more of those points down below you and then you would travel along the side of the ship. You could go either left or right. And there would be more of those points along the sides of the ship. So you, you had I to see. hit a lot more of those hard points in order to unlock the, you know, the one point where you uh, breach through the side of the hull. Yeah, in the, in the side of yeah, the hull, yeah. That took a lot more. Um, that, that's the biggest uh, difference. They're, instead of being given a choice of going left or right, uh, they're channeling you now to go to the left and you go back along the side of the hull and then it unlocks. That's probably the biggest change in it. Oh, actually, there is one more. Each one of those, um, we'll call it sections, uh, where it had the group of hard points, there was also NPCs there as well that would open fire on you. So the first thing you had to do was take out the Voth ships that were circling those, and then you could take out the hard points, and then you could continue on down along the rest of the channel. Which will really lengthen the amount of time it takes oh, to do yeah. each of those little objectives. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. So, if we're while we're talking about cues and 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 how to keep some content like that, which is good content, but maybe it doesn't really have a place. We were talking earlier today in the hangouts about um, well, what you called was queue overload. Um, do, could you explain a little bit more about what what you mean by that? Well. Uh, Queue overload or choice overload uh, refers specifically to the number of queues that are available. Now, this really became, I suppose, an issue on the release of Delta Rising, the second expansion. Mm. Because pre-Delta Rising, we only had normal difficulty and elite difficulty. And there was quite, quite a nice number of queues already at that stage. And then Delta Ryzen hit, and it introduced a new difficulty level. You had Normal, Advanced, and Elite. The old Elite level was the new Advanced level, and Normal didn't change at all. So, let's just say, for example, if um, you had 50 queues before um, Delta Rising, that was 100 queues, because you had Normal and Elite. And after Delta Rising, then, you had 150 queues because it went normal, advanced, and elite. And it opened up an awful lot more options, choice overload, for the number of queues that you can do. And 
I suppose part of the problem was that people found, um, I suppose you say balancing issues with some of the cues. Some of the events were very difficult, um, harder than the old elites and uh, problems like that. And it's come to this point now where there is a choice overload and unfortunately a lot of the cues just do not get played. I mean, yeah. one of my favorite ones uh, was always Colony Invasion um, and I don't know when the last time I played that queue because it's just not played that often anymore. That's not to say that it's not played at all. If I could get you know a team from within my fleet and we wanted to do it, we could do it. But queuing up and looking to go with a pub group is next to impossible for a lot of the queues. And I mean yeah. a lot of them. Compa now, I would agree with that because um, I always I get kind of bored running ISA over and over and over mm -hmm. again and I've often looked at that list of cues and gone I don't know what any of them are so right, I'll okay. queue up for a few of them to try and you know to just branch out to do something different mm -hmm. but you can literally sit there queued for my whole play session and never get never have them pop yeah oh. I mean my issue really with that is that I would like to play those cues but I don't I don't know how like I don't know how I can do it if nobody else wants to play with me that sounds really sad and lonely <laughs> like I need a buddy bench to come and say someone can play with me and it's hard to say do uh, is there nobody queued up for it because there's no one else queued up for it or is it just really no one wants to play I have a hard time believing that of the however many thousand people that are on yeah that really nobody would play it if if somebody didn't stick their hand up and said hey guys does anybody want to do this um, it's it's hard to know there could be a number of different reasons I mean all right first of all players will always go for the easiest content they just congregate at the easiest content and right now like off the top of my head um, crystalline catastrophe there's a cue mm -hmm. that you will always get infected conduit space I'd say that's yep. one that you'll always get um, brotherhood of the sword Elite, uh, actually, I've I've been playing a lot of those. That seems a pretty solid queue that you can get quite regularly. Undine Infiltration will be another one. Um, they're just the queues that people have congregated because they find them the easiest, or you know, the return on investment is there. They're getting more bang for their buck. Um, yeah. So that could be one part of it. Uh, another part of it could be there just simply isn't uh, as many people playing. Uh, you know, uh, we'd all love to spend all day sitting down playing video games, but, you know, there's real life stuff that has to be done. And What? <laughs> yeah, shock Don't horror. be ridiculous. <laughs> it, it may be. Uh, I, I, I see it in my fleet. There are, you know, people that just I have not seen in well over a year. Mm. I haven't kicked them from the fleet. Uh, good friends that you know uh, I made within my own fleet. We'd be talking on voice. We'd be playing cues, but there is an awful lot of them that are just not around anymore. So I'm kind of hoping, and I'm going back to my prediction earlier on the year that expansion three is coming later on this year, and mm. it's going to focus on like Legacy of Romulus and bring new players into the game because I think that's another side of it as well we need 
you know, a fresh blood in the game. We need new players into the game as well, and that will probably help things somewhat. I, I mean, it's got to. If there's a massive influx of new players to the game, then there's a bigger pool of people that are looking to play the queues. It, it makes sense. Now, here's here's a question for you because this always baffled me a little bit. You because you can you can only queue up for three things at once. Yes. So, say I've got a couple of hours, um, I can queue up for ISA, CCA, and I don't know, uh, Federation Fleet Alert or something. Mm -hmm. And I know that each of those I will get into straight away. They'll pop straight away. So I don't have to sit around and wait and kill time and doff and whatever. I just go and do them. Bam, it's done. And around about the time the last one's finished, the first one's come up again, just to go around a couple of times, and that's easy. Do you think that the that three Q limit is actually hurting people? Because if I could say queue up for five or ten things, Absolutely, I'd put my hand up and say, sure, I'll go do some random obscure thing that I've never done before. You know, on the off chance that somebody will come around and say, hey, I'll do that with you. But most of the time, I'm not going to bother wasting one of my little queue whatever to just sit there. Um, and of course, they don't they clear every time you go through a queue, so you have to go and do it again. Yeah, no, I think um, that limitation is actually there to, believe it or not, actually speed up the queuing process. Um, mm. If you if you queue up for um, CCA and ISA, and yeah. uh, let's say five people um, join the queue for ISA, you, yeah. it will pop yeah. up on your screen. But remember, uh, there's nine. Let's say there's uh, six people that were queued at the time you queued for CCA. Okay, so that's yeah. a total of seven. And let's say, uh, you know, three seconds after you joined, uh, another three people queued up for ICA, but you're queued up for two and it's waiting for you to either engage or cancel your ISA because that yeah. popped first and now yeah. it's holding up the queuing process for the other 10 people that are in the CCA. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that actually. That that does make total sense why you'd want to limit how how many people could could do that. Yeah, I think that's why it's there. Um, so I I think it's actually the reason limitation is there is to actually speed up the queuing yeah. process. What about here's a controversial opinion. What about increasing the cooldowns? No. Because no, I know everyone would absolutely hate it. No, uh, the <laughs> but, Borg STFs used to have an hour cooldown. Yeah, and it was reduced, I believe, uh, for Delta Rising. Everything standard across the board, thirty minute cooldown. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't, I really don't think that increasing the cooldown would be a good idea. No, it's just you know it is disappointing that we've got queues that are out there that. I mean, they haven't retired them, so they must be decent. Um, oh, there, there's lots of them. But I, but I don't get to play them. I, ca I, yeah. I physically cannot play them unless I happen to be with enough other people in the fleet who are not doing other things um, to 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 run a private queue for us. Yeah. And I think that's really disappointing. I don't. I literally cannot access that content. 
I can't even do it by myself. <laughs> so it's like I don't I don't know what my other options are. I I hear it all the time from members of my fleet that they're queued up for, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes or whatever for certain queues and they're just not popping. Or, you know, we might be talking on voice and, you know, saying, oh, you know, I really liked Starbase Fleet Defense, which was a 20-man queue. And personally, I love that one. Haven't played it in probably a year and a half at the very least. It, it's really a long time since I played it. Um, and I, I hear all the time from members in my fleet. Um, yeah, I really do. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I think the choice overload, like what I said, is part of it. Uh, and I, I think um, if there was new players brought into the game, I think that would yeah. make a big difference for it. And again, I'm, I'm hashing on stuff I've said. I hope that Expansion 3 um, is coming and it's going to be focused on bringing in new players and it's going to be publicized very well or marketed very well so that it does um, get you know spread and uh, people start coming into the game more new people and that has got to improve the situation for the queues it has to it, it just makes sense yeah and i really hope it does because i would like to access that content and I don't know what else we could do about it. Yeah, um, I'm the same as you. There's loads of content yeah. there that I'd love to do. Uh, but unless I can get a group from within the fleet, I just simply am not going to be playing that content. And it's really, really hard because people have their dailies that they want to do as well. Yep. And uh, it's happened to me. I've seen people saying, you know, would you be able to team up with me for this? Or would you join us for this? And I'd be like, sorry, I'm working on my dailies. Because I've only got... I'm grinding through all my 14 episodes of The Breach. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got my dailies. I've only got a certain yeah. amount of time that I can play. Yeah. I have to get this done. And unfortunately, I've been in that situation as well. I've been on both sides of it, looking for people and people looking for me. Okay, so that brings us very neatly to this week's community question. What do you think Star Trek Online could do to reinvigorate some of the older, tired queues? We don't usually venture out into the wilds of Star Trek Online's subreddit, but we found something this week that is definitely worth a look. Redditor Dodai has put himself together an oldie worldy galactic map based on the sector map from STO. All your favourites are there, from the Kilvani Belt down to the Eridon Nebula. It's beautifully rendered and available in super high definition. Even a lot of the devs are touting it as their new desktop wallpaper. If you're looking for something different to decorate your workspace, I'd highly recommend trekking it out. And if it's not your thing, of course, you can always grab one of Priority One's swimsuit calendar wallpapers instead. We'll leave a link in the show notes. So moving on to patch notes, they are actually pretty thin this week with a whole two things. Whoa. But they will be good news for most players. I know, right? Two things. Woo! But those two things will be good news for most players, I think. So first, we've resolved an issue which was causing the rarity of duty officers to not affect the rewards and crit chances on assignments. Now, this was a bug that was identified basically where DOF assignments weren't critting in the right proportions. Props to the players who identified that one because most casual players probably wouldn't notice it. But nonetheless, this fix is going to be a bonus to everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Also, they added a uh, dash no auto rotate logs command to launcher settings options. So this will now allow players to parse combat logs. Now, I haven't actually parsed anything since the combat logs were changed. I believe this is where they added timestamps to the logs. But this might be an easy fix for anyone who has had issues parsing since the change was made. So do let us know if you have experience with the new format. We'd love to hear from you. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here are the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Jeremy Randall at Bordicus Cryptic tweeted, I find something ironically hilarious about receiving messages that our bug tracking service has crashed. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Morgan at Laughing Trendy tweeted, Fun fact. Once every blue moon, Morgan leaves the safety of our heat rock in order to livestream. For those of you who weren't aware, Trendy and Jeremy Randall, aka Borticus, took to Twitch last week for a special livestream event, all to do with the skill revamp. If you didn't catch it on Friday, we'll leave a link to the archive stream in the show notes. And speaking of laughing trendy, a little bird told me that it was our lovely and talented community manager's birthday last week. So from all of us at Priority One, happy Happy birthday, birthday. Trendy. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. This is just a reminder that the Breach event is still on until the 24th of March, but if you haven't started it by now, sadly you will have missed out on the opportunity to collect the special rewards. Unlike the anniversary and seasonal events, you can't just spend low buy to pick up extra Voth operative transmissions. Also coming up on March 17th, it's an item upgrade weekend, so make sure you've got all of your Omega upgrades handy, it'll be a doozy. As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates for Star Trek Online. Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and see what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Elijah. And I'm Cookie. And this week we're reviewing The Big Goodbye, written by Tracy Torme and directed by Joseph L. Scanlon. This episode first aired January 11th, 1988. The Enterprise is on their way to Tarona 4 to open negotiations with the Haradan, an insect-like race. After struggling with Rosetta Stone on Mac OS L Sealot, Picard decides to test the holodeck upgrades with a reenactment of an old detective novel he grew up reading. Unfortunately, things get gritty when the Haradan probe damages the holodeck computer disabling safety protocols and trapping Picard, Data, Dr. Crusher, and some other guy that isn't really important. (laughs) Can Wesley repair the holodeck so that Sir Patrick Stewart can sound like a complete fool on national television? Uh, klaxon, ris, blaj, blan, arnik, karnik. Uh, trasul, Here are some fun facts. The idea for this episode was originally conceived by Gene Roddenberry, who suggested a detective story on the holodeck, but all the film noir references were added in by the writer, Tracy Torme, because he was a fan of that genre. And if you look closely at the Dixon Hill information on Data's screen when he researches it, you can see Tracy Torme's name as the writer of Dixon Hill. The events of the Dixon Hill program was an homage to the 1941 film, The Maltese Falcon. The title of this episode is a combination of two Raymond Chandler books, 
The Big Sleep and The Long Goodbye, which features the iconic detective Philip Marlowe. Producer Maurice Hurley explained that this episode was, quote, a breath of fresh air. It was just fun to do. It's got humor and life to it. The thing is that Star Trek can't brood. If it broods, it gets self-important and self-indulgent and preachy, like it has a tendency to do if it's not careful. But if it has some life to it, some humor, then it just jumps up and flies. It's different, but absolutely locked in the Star Trek format. Everything in there worked, end quote. Will Wheaton remarked, and I quote, We've done 12 episodes before this, which is half a season, and this one was our favorite to shoot at that time. There isn't an actor in the world who doesn't love playing a period piece, and I think our real joy in filming The Big Goodbye cascaded into our performances. As actors, we're clearly enjoying ourselves, so our characters feel relaxed and unselfconscious. Except for me, of course, because I was supposed to be nervous and self-conscious in this one. It's a subtle change from some of the earlier episodes, but this is one of the very first times where the audience could really feel the actors, and therefore their characters, coming together and settling in." William Ware Thice won an Academy Award in the category of Outstanding Costume Design for a series in 1988 for this episode, along with Edward R. Brown, who received an Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Cinematography for a series. This episode also won the George Foster Peabody Award for Excellence in Television Broadcasting in 1987. All right, Cookie, so what do you think of the episode? This was a fun little episode where we get to see Captain Picard's Dixon Hill fantasy for the first time. I loved the look on his face when he first enters into the holodeck. It's almost like if he's happily surprised by it all. And he did say that he was... Captain's personal log. I'm delighted with how the holodeck has created the fictional world of Dixon Hill, the 20th century detective who's been a hero of mine since childhood. The characters I'll meet are generated by the computer, of course, yet they feel real. They seem real in every way. It's just so pleasant to watch him be delighted by something. I love how much he loves it. And that lipstick stain on his mouth as he's gushing about it to the crew. Did you notice that moment between him and Dr. Crusher when he... Oh, yeah invites her along and then she's clearly disappointed because the invitation wasn't exclusive like she thought mm-hmm. and then there was that moment on the holodeck when he first saw her and she wanted to see his office such sexual tension and then they were both disappointed when the other two wanted to join in what were they planning on doing in his office i think somebody's into role play speaking of which data looked quite dapper in his suit didn't he very attractive. Yeah, see? He's coming after you, see? <laughs> I also thought it was really funny when Dr. Crusher ate the gum the guy gave her. Oh my god. I hope they use stunt gum for that because she had to swallow it. What do you mean stunt gum? What? what I don't know, but gum? she swallowed it. Maybe she pretended to swallow it and just put it under her tongue. I don't know. It looked like a real swallow to me. Yeah, but what? Wh- why though? What's what's Why the gum? That's what's, not good to swallow gum. But it's not going to kill you. I know, but it's not, you, you know, you what if she out. had to do that take several times? I no, they. I'm, I think they use, like, a different, like, a stunt gum. I've never heard of stunt gum. Well, you're in theater. I mean, we don't, use don't they have gum. stunt gum? No, we use real gum. And but we you just, don't swallow we just, it. We're just so See, probably, that's probably why you that don't we know. fake the swallowing. I don't know. But what good holodeck episode doesn't have a malfunction? You know, when they brought that random guy no one has ever heard of with them... I knew he was the one that was going to get shot. 
And why didn't they just take him to the hospital in the holodeck? They had time, and it would have been better than doing nothing. No, what time? The, then the mobster the guy, guy left. The, the guy left, like completely left the building. They oh. could have just taken him Yeah, but him you somewhere. think Dr. Crusher knows how to bandage up with with 1920s medicine? I think it's it, better it's than like, doing nothing, yeah. That would have been better than doing nothing. Totally. And meanwhile, outside the holodeck, if the Harada, the bug alien people, if their probe was the thing responsible for messing up the holodeck, then why didn't Riker just explain that to them? Maybe they might have listened. Maybe maybe they might not have. I don't know. But Riker didn't even make any attempt to explain what the problem was. I thought that was kind of weird. I've got my problems with Riker in this episode. What, do you, what did you think of it? Well, I'll start with this. So there's just so much character nuance that I clearly missed the first time I watched TNG. And I think I've said this before. I mean, I had known that Beverly and Jaluk always had chemistry, but the tension is really high in these early episodes, more so than I noticed almost a decade ago, which is sad because they they really abandon it as the series progresses. And like you mentioned, Beverly was clearly hoping that Jean-Luc was inviting her personally during his little gush over the holodeck program. I mean, she's like wiping the lipstick off his lips, and she's just so like smiley, and you know, little <laughs> hearts are coming out of her eyes. I mean, it might as well have just been over the top that way. Now I'm going to get into some Trekno babble. Maybe I don't know much about how holodecks work. Maybe because they don't exist. So maybe someone out there can help explain things to me. First of all, fundamentally, from what I understand, photons are rearranged to generate matter, something, 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 Trekno babble, Trekno babble. However, without an emitter, that scientific miracle can't happen, right? I think of the doctor on Voyager. They either had to install hollow emitters on decks outside of sickbay on Voyager, or they found him a little awesome plot device called the mobile emitter. So my question is, why did the lipstick stay on Picard after he was long gone from the holodeck? I can even suspend disbelief when the mobster stepped out and began melting like the Wicked Witch of the West. Sure, the emitter can extend into the corridor a few feet. Sure, okay, I can swallow that Trekno babble. But the lipstick? Mm, not that far away. I mean, this <laughs> happens again later on in the series when Wesley is soaking wet and leaves the holodeck. And then there's another instance when a snowball is hurled up a card from the holodeck. It's a few feet from the holodeck, I get it. From the holodeck door, it, it extends, sure. But how do these little remnants of the holodeck exist? So, here's a first community question. For all our Star Trek science friends out there, someone explain how the holodeck remains outside of the holodeck to me in layman's terms. I mean, the whole thing where they where they gradually slowly disintegrate and they can see themselves no, that's not what a world what a world that's not i don't think that ever happens again like i forget what happens to moriarty doesn't moriarty leave at one point i don't know if he actually leaves because they just not ex they just stop existing right so I, and he continues to exist but in other episodes they just vanish as soon as they step foot out so that's not consistent with the rest of the holodeck world stories i don't know i think they just didn't know what they were doing and they were just kind of going along with it. And then as the season went, or as the series went on, then they established more solid rules about the holodeck. But I just don't think that they were, I don't oh, think they yeah, decided. Yeah, yeah, they hadn't decided yet. I mean, I know as writers, there was this new, you know, they had the budget to do these things, you know, that they could explore the characters better on this plot device. And so I know that they were just, they were, they were still experimenting, like you said. But I'm sure someone somewhere 
wrote something about the science, the the fake yeah. science, the Trek science as to why these things happen and why they they exist outside of the holodeck, like the lipstick. I'm sure someone has an explanation somewhere. As far as the core story goes, honestly, I I, I don't see any important takeaways. This was just an episode for Picard to get out of his head, stop worrying about how to greet the bug peoples, and have some fun. Oh, and try to start some hanky-panky with Beverly. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun episode to get to know the characters a little better. What I did like about this episode was Data was much more of the Data you expect to see later on as the series progresses. It's not so much slapstick Data, you know, corny, wackadoo Data, and more... What? Just when kinda, is he ever corny, wackadoo? Um, like the last 12 episodes. Whatever. He's just, you know, he's learning. That's all. He's coming into his own. So why don't you tell us your favorite quotes for this episode? The whole thing with Data is from South America. That was just hilarious to me, especially the first time Picard thinks of it. He's not from around here, is he? Uh, no, he's not. Uh, he's, uh, he's from South America. Yeah. He's got a nice tan. And then later... Where were you hatched, anyway? I was created on a planet, Data. South America. When Data starts telling the guy where he was created, and then Captain Picard corrects him, and he just quickly says, South America. I don't know, that whole thing is so funny. But every time they mention that, I just, I, I really found that funny. What about you? I think Riker wore his stupid pants in this episode. <laughs> and I noticed it first when he meets Jordy down at the holodeck with Wesley, and asks Jordy if he's used the intercom to reach Picard. Jordy says no, and Riker still tries to contact Picard. Have you tried the intercom? Yes. Riker to holodeck? Riker to holodeck? If I was Jordy, I'd have said, I just told you, they can't be reached. <laughs> Did you think your smooth baritone voice was going to magically make things better? <laughs> and then later on, when he's communicating with uh, the Haradan, he's like yelling at the Haradan. Like, this is supposed to be a very sensitive diplomatic engagement and he's all like he's all aggressive towards them yeah and like i said he could have explained things yeah really easily could have just explained it but whatever sometimes as far as you know double checking you know how that is where sometimes someone's looking for something and they're like i've looked everywhere i've looked there i've looked there i've looked in that drawer and then you look and it's just right in front of your face mm -hmm. maybe he was doing that maybe he was just like jordy i don't trust you and i'm gonna try it for myself clearly <laughs> Did you try using the intercom? I did. I couldn't reach them. Captain Picard. <laughs> I just would have looked at him. I would have just given him a cockeyed look. Maybe Jordy did, but you couldn't tell because he got the visor. <laughs> Jordy rolled his eyes. Of course, whenever Jordy does roll his eyes, I can tell. I don't know how he does it, but he always conveys it pretty well. He rolls his eyebrows. So that brings us to our next community question. What would your ideal holodeck program include? Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation's The Big Goodbye. Now let's check in with Henry for this month's Star Trek-inspired fan art review. Hello, Captains. This is Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, with another Star Trek fan art review. This month, I present a series of super high-resolution L-Cars Master Systems displays created by Star Trek fan artist Alexander Richardson. 
The Elkar's interface has evolved quite a bit throughout the different incarnations of the Star Trek franchise. Mr. Richardson has done a fantastic job of capturing the essence of Elkar's across all Star Trek eras. Whether Elkar's could ever be truly functional as a useful computer interface aside, it certainly gave a clean and modern look to the Starship Enterprise-D when its most familiar incarnation debuted with the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987. Earlier versions of Elkar's seen in the TOS movie-era films may have seemed less sophisticated when compared to the TNG interface. However, the open spaces and the blue and green colors of the original series motion picture-era Elkar's really worked well on the TV tube-style monitors that Starfleet was using at the time. Less flashy and less modern or not, those were some of my favorite. That said, Alexander Richardson's TOS Motion Picture Era Constitution Master Systems display is simply beautiful. Another interesting piece is a highly detailed, beautifully colored Ambassador Class MSD. The tiny tables, chairs, and other furniture in the crew quarters and lounges, along with the little shuttles in their bays, really give you a sense of scale that's often missing from some of these larger ships when they're shown from the outside. I also really loved Richardson's Space Dock Elkar's MSD. Once again, the interior details really show off the scale of this massive space station. Now, while I recommend that you look through the whole website and check out all of Alexander Richardson's work, I especially recommend the TOS-era shuttlecraft schematic and the NX-01 Master Systems display. Their earlier-era styles are a really nice contrast to what we're used to in modern Elkars, and really show the artist's grasp of the style of each era. I'm truly impressed with the level of detail Mr. Richardson has put into some of these displays. I find myself looking at them over and over, often finding more and more little easter eggs or interesting details in the text and graphics that I just didn't see the first time. These designs can all be found on Mr. Richardson's blog at lcarsgfx.wordpress.com. As always, there will be links to some of these great pieces as well as Alexander Richardson's blog in the show notes. Before I leave you this month, I'd also like to take a moment to spotlight one other artist from the Star Trek world, Mr. Leonard Nimoy, whom we lost last year to COPD. Not only was he a brilliant actor who brought life and soul to one of Star Trek's most beloved and iconic characters, he was also a wonderful photographer. His high-contrast black-and-white photography gives great insight into who he was and how he saw the world around him. Leonard Nimoy's birthday is on March 26th. In honor of everything he did for Star Trek and his fans, I recommend everybody check out his photography at rmichelson.com slash artist slash Leonard Nimoy. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community questions were, number one, what's your favorite Nicholas Meyer moment? And number two, what other retired content would you like to see come back as a featured event in Star Trek Online? Up first, Tyler Maxwell commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, what retired content should come back? Divide et impera. There are throngs of new Starfleet captains who haven't gone through the riveting experience of being railroaded into space shooting up a Romulan base, obviously a medical facility, by some ridiculously hawkish Starfleet admiral, only for that admiral to turn out to be an undercover Undine agent who, to this day, turns up at Starbase 39 for tea with Admiral Tanay while being completely mum about the whole making you zap innocent peeps for nothing thing. 
everyone here must believe that this head-ringing tale must be a part of every future Fleet Admiral story, yes? Yes? Sees the shaking heads in the room. No? Just me? Aw, oh, shucks. Thanks, Tyler. I tried to I tried to act that out as best I could. Hopefully I channeled you, Tyler, and you are pleased with my reading. And scene. Gavin Runeblade posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. My favorite Nick Meyer moment is not so much a moment as a theme. I always appreciated his ability to avoid villain decay. His big bad enemy in Undiscovered Country were Klingons, not some new powerful race, but the Federation's oldest rival, and they were dangerous because they acted like traditional Klingons. Loved it. And I'm, I totally agree with you on that. It's so easy to, like, take a villain and just make him bigger and badder and more villainy. But I, I think, you know, when you can take a quote-unquote normal or a quote-unquote, like, a known person or type of person and make them be the villain, I think that is really, really effective in storytelling. because It's more realistic. I understand. I get that, and I, and I completely agree. Do you feel that there was villain decay with the Borg in Star Trek: First Contact? Did they just, you know, up the Borg and and uh, with a bigger budget? Kind of. Well, the, that was the one with the Borg Queen, wasn't it? Was it? Yes. They go back in time. First Contact is the one they go back in time. Yeah. Uh, was that the one with the Borg Queen, though? Yeah, it yes. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, I always get a bit confused where the Borg Queen comes into it. The second they introduced the Borg Queen, and I know that it wasn't in I know that... I don't think First Contact was the first time we saw her. But, um, yes, it was. It, it was. Uh, it was like, oh, really? <laughs> because it was like, the Borg were the Borg. And I totally got the Borg as the collective and all that. And I totally got it when they... Um, uh, when they had the virus and then they started splintering off. I totally got that. And then, what? Yeah, but that was Voyager, though. Yeah, but that was after First Contact, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, no, but they had... Uh, no. Do you no, even no. watch Star Trek? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, no. Hang, what? hang on <laughs> just an ever-loving minute. It was Next Generation where they had... Uh, Hugh, was it Hugh? That they yes, but uploaded that was a the virus of, and that, no. that started it off, didn't it? No, Hugh was da uh, Data's issue, wasn't it? Wasn't Hugh Data? No, Hugh was... No, no, no. Um, and was, that wasn't Hugh. That wasn't Hugh. Hugh was Voyager, the the um, uh, the future Borg. No, because Hugh, because didn't they re they rescued a? <laughs> I sound so ignorant right now. <laughs> okay, um, hold on. In Next Generation, oh, you're right. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh the Borg. Yeah, Hugh was the Borg. He in was Next liberated from but... the Borg and regained his right. individuality. Yeah, and he was right, right. Back into the collective. <laughs> Right, yeah. like seven of nine. Yeah, and it was, well, yes. the thing, it was the big, it was the big moral dilemma was do they send him back knowing that they could implant that individuality thing back in the collective? Um, and it was the big moral dilemma was do, do they send him back or do they not send him back knowing that he's now individual? And they ended up sending him back and then that sort of set off the whole thing. Anyway. Um, Wait, so, all right, so... Now I'm lost. My 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 point, the, and I, I I'll right. bring us back. I'll bring us back. My point was when they started when they like started introducing the Borg Queen to like make her make the Borg scary again. It was like no no no, they were good enough the way they were. 
They were scary enough. Were they you. though? Were they? Yeah, dude. They were like they were like robot zombies. Yeah, they were totally scary enough the way they but were. But they were they they were always the collective though. So isn't it just a natural progression that as a collective, there would uh, as a hive mind there would be a queen no. bee. They were a collective. They didn't have a queen. It's like that's. It's to me the Borg Queen is like jumping the shark. It's like you're taking a very no. well designed. I thought they were a very well designed villain in the in what they were, uh, and then you're like, oh, but we have to like make them cooler in a way. That's like to me the definition of villain decay. It's like, you, okay, we've already designed them, so that's cool, and people were scared of them then. So let's like make them scarier. Let's like do them bigger and more and more threatening. And it's like, yeah. I, it would have been cooler if they'd done the Borg without the Borg Queen, personally. But, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> the thing about villains to me, and the reason that I, one of the reasons that I like Star Trek is because it helps us to examine aspects of our own personality, and I don't mean necessarily me personally, but our personality as a culture, as a, as a, as a species, um, and it kind of helps you reflect on those things. and. The, the scariest thing, the, the, what I think are the best villains most of the time, are the ones that um, take an aspect of our personality that we are f afraid of and uh, reflects that in a villain. Um, when you stop doing that and you make the villain scary because of their scary implants or their scary ship or all of that, that, that loses a bit of Star Trek to me. Yeah, but so then at the, by that point, on that point, you you don't like the Borg at all, then. I I I, I don't like the Borg post um, post TNG. <laughs> just gonna put that out there. I do I I feel as though they jumped the shark. We've talked about jumping the shark. I just feel you know, as this though this should have been a this should have been an interview question when I brought you on board. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm leaving then. No, it's. What are you walking on? <laughs> no, I'm not. Bungalows or what? What are they called? The the Jamaican. Um, a, what are you walking on? A steel drum? Yeah, I didn't tell you, but my entire bedroom is like lined with bongos. Yeah, it's cool. It was like a design choice. Um. I think that the Borg Queen was a natural progression. Progression. They're called Borg drones. Drones have a queen. All right, that's a good point. But the. I disagree. Your Honor. <laughs> I rest my case. Oh yeah, beat that. All right. Yeah, but oh. <laughs> way to go, Gavin. I'm gonna way to go. This is, See where you started. I think this is a this, this could be an entire episode of a debate because yeah, this could be an I after don't hours. Think, I don't like it when uh, uh, it, they didn't need to progress though, because the Borg were sort of the ultimate. What does it matter? You didn't like them in the beginning as as it was anyway. No, 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 so. no I do. <laughs> I did like them. I thought. Uh, best of Both Worlds is like one of the best Star Trek pairs of episodes of all time. And part of the reason is because of the menace and that whole, the idea of the Borg. Yeah, but then they get defeated and they figure out how to defeat the Borg and sleep. And yeah, they need to improve it somehow. They need to... No, they don't. That's it. They can make it different and, and, and look at a different aspect of it. I think the point that Gavin Runeblade was making is that the enemy in the undiscovered country were Klingons, but they weren't like scarier Klingons. They weren't like more pointy headed. They just, they were the same Klingons. They were just, di they were a, a different aspect of their personality as a shift 
in their circumstances that made them behave in a different way, but they didn't reinvent them to make them scarier. That's, that, that is the point that I think he's trying to make, I hope, and that's the point that I agree with. Okay. Sanuk Skyrat commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, you know what I would like to see back? How about the old Geckly feeding grounds? <laughs> Long silence. Yeah, that's never going to happen. LOL. <laughs> Sanuk, I hope you too enjoyed my interpretive reading of your comment. I didn't even remember the Geckly feeding ground, so <sighs> there's that. What game are you guys talking about? Uh. Ooh. <laughs> Flappy Bird. That you see that one's for Al Rivera. He'll get that one. <laughs> Good because none of us do. <laughs> Moving on, Rarva commented on PridayOnePodcast.com as well. My favorite Nicholas Meyer moment, managing to get Spock in a moment of genius to make what can be considered a fart joke in Star Trek VI. Gas. Gas, Captain. I don't remember that one. A Star Trek VI... Um... Undiscovered Country. Is it? Mm-hmm. What, part in that, what part is that in? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm going to have to go... Excuse me, I'm just going to go re- re-watch it now. A piece of feedback that came into us via email was from Michael Alibrando, who came to see me in my production of The Adams Family uh, and actually coincidentally put two and two together, saw my name and, and the priority one credit in the in my bio and and saw the show and enjoyed it. So thank you, Michael, for coming to see The Adams Family with your wife. Thank you for the high praises. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks for listening to Priority One. And last but certainly not least, our boy, Sean Newboy, posted wonderful show everyone well captains we love hearing from you so leave us a voicemail by clicking on the speak pipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast our twitter page at priority one pod and of course you can always leave us a comment on our website priority one podcast.com well that wraps up episode 262 of priority one podcast unfortunately we'll be taking next week off We anticipate that Winters will be suffering from a massive migraine resulting from his dedicated celebrations of St. Patrick's Day. Not to worry, though, because we'll be back with episode 263 on March 28th. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. Have you ever taken on a Star Trek-themed do-it-yourself project? If so, share it with us. What do you think Star Trek Online could do to reinvigorate some of the older, tired cues? And from our on-screen segment, how does material from the holodeck remain even after you're out of range of a hollow emitter? And what would your ideal holodeck program include? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So submit your responses for our community questions in the comments section on our website. You can also leave us a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or tweet us via at Priority One Pod. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe for free. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you have some time to spare, please don't forget about our listener survey. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash survey 2016. We appreciate your time very, very much.
And don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast captures to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L, To the writer of our skits, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald. With assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Bienvenidos, Capitans! You're listening to episode 262 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, March 7th. That's not right. Uh, I thought I did the, the show notes. Also, you totally reminded me of Q. You were like, <laughs> oh, Bienvenidos, <yeah>. Mon Capitan! Oh... <laughs> 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 uh. Love it. <laughs> anyway, it's March the 14th. Uh, the 14th. <laughs> All right. Uh, intro in three, two. Well, we're getting back to formula this week, and we start by trekking out some additional the, Hold on a second. Hold on. What? He what? Hold on a second. I, can you say something like, yeah, thanks, Tony. It was just so awkward. It was like, I was like. <laughs> it was awkward. It was, was like totally awkward. I'm like, I'm like, it's good to be back. And you're like. Cricket, cricket, cricket. Oh, where's Mark for the crickets when you need him? Yeah, it's totally good to have you back. You're like, screw that. <laughs> Stay on stage. All right. Do, do the, it's good to be back, blah, blah, blah. Right. You can also leave a comment on our website or even leave us a voicemail using our speak pipe widget. Just click on the widget. Or you can leave us a voicemail on our speak pipe with oh, Jesus. Or you can even Welcome leave us. Back Elijah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
With your help, we can keep improving the quality of the content. That's weird. I keep saying show, like show, show, show. <laughs> show, show, show. Uh, with your help, we can continue to improve the quality and content of each episode. Visit us at... Pa- That's weird. <laughs> with your... <laughs> okay. With your help, we can keep... With Okay. With your help, we keep the lights going. <laughs> It's just not working. This is why. This is why I was awake. Right. Hang on a second. Where's Tony's number? Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe that's who was calling me. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You don't want me to come you on? Sure. Yeah, I can sure. come back. Okay. Um, this is Elijah. Twerk it out. Sync one. This is Kenna. Twerk it out. Sync two. This is Winters. Twerking it out. Sync three. <laughs> Twerk it out in the three, two, bounce, baby, bounce, baby. <laughs> oh, you messed that! You messed up my flow there, man. Now I'm all flustered. <laughs> God, it's such a mental image. Um, <laughs> well, you know there's wait, Cubanos. Wait, what mental? There's... Wait, what mental image are you are you projecting? Well, because um, you know, isn't it a isn't it a thing that that Cuban men have junk in the trunk? <laughs> What? Is that wait, a thing? So, wait, hold on a second. Let's 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 dissect this for a second. I'm glad that I'm glad that, glad that we're recording. Um, so, what Cuban were you thinking of? Number one yeah. and number two. What junk Cubans with junk in the? No, I don't. No, I've never heard that. No. Okay. No. I guess I'm wrong. Although I, mean, I could. Hmm. Wait, were you imagining me shaking, twerking my butt? <laughs> that's that's really what I'm trying to get at here. Is that what is that what just happened? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did have this kind of weird mental image. Kenna was <laughs> Kenna was imagining me in a Starfleet uniform. Yeah. With yeah. with the pajama and I'm I'm twerking. Well, spe- with a cigar, with a cigar in my mouth too. Let's just add yeah, that. Specifically, specifically at the computer. But you probably, <laughs> but you probably have to bend over slightly because you know because you, the, the 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 microphone's at sitting height, right? I'm just casually twerking as we're doing. Uh, check it out. I'm just gonna. <laughs> wow. That dog's gonna keep me warm at night. <laughs> oh yes. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> should, we, should we do a show? All right. Yeah. Yes, we should. All right. <laughs> okay. Twerking it out in three, two. Redditor Dodai? 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 Okay. I think. Redditor Dodai has put himself together an awesome, oddly worldy galactic. <laughs> od- oldie worldy. Come on, oldie worldy. Redditor. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you're fine, except when you're like trying. Yeah. Redditor Do- <laughs> Dodai, is it? <laughs> Dodai, yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. Probably not. It's probably completely wrong, but I read it as Dodai. Redditor Dodai has put himself together an awesome, oddly worldly galactic map. Ba- oldie worldy! Sorry! Oldie worldy! Oldie, <laughs> oldie worldy. worldy! You could just make, you could make it something different if you want. Even a lot of the devs are touting. Even a lot of the devs are touting as is. Mother of God. <laughs> It's really hard to read someone else's writing. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You're all right. Even a lot of the devs are touting. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, those two things will be good for... for. Now, I haven't actually parsed anything since the combat logs were changed. I'm going to reread that because yep. it's not combat logs. Um, I think it's your turn to sing this week, Winters. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Trendy. Happy birthday to you. There you go. That's going to be in the bloopers. More. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Will Wheaton re- uh. Will Wheaton remark, Will Wheaton. quote, We'd done 12 episodes before this, which is half a season. It sounded like you said, we done. We'd. I know. That's, I never say we'd, but I'm quoting, so what can I do? You know. But it sounded like you said, we done, not we'd we done. done. We okay. done 12 episodes before. We done. Will we done remarked, we done 12 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Okay. Will Wheaton Quit remarked, Wheaton. quote, we done 12 episodes. I'm <laughs> sorry, this is hard to say. How would you say that? We'd you done. try it. We'd done. We'd done. It's Can like I just say days. weave? Can I say weave? Yeah, no. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Do I have to sit? Okay. No one will ever know. Well, according to Winters, you were because he's like, no, 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 Kenna, you are wrong. No. Like, he literally delivered it that way. And I hope that you are recording your own track because I, I wanted I to make it to the final cut where you went, no, no. <laughs> like, you literally, that's exactly what you sounded like on this end. No. <laughs> no, but I think the, the, the reason being to me, what the? What? What was that? Somebody blowing their nose? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to reevaluate your involvement here. <laughs> don't like the Borg. No, no, no. I did not say I don't like the Borg. I said I don't like the Borg post TNG. Sano Skyrack commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I would like to see back. What? Oh. Okay. And it's also Sanok Skyrack. Sano. When is it? Sanosk. No, Sanok with a K. He's commented before. Or she. Don't know. Oh. Sanic. Sanic what? Sanic Skyrat. Okay. Won the word, not the number. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how many times in the intro I wanted to say that? And I thought, <laughs> I'm just going to give, I'm just going to let it go for this time. It's his first week back. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, I really just wanted to go, Will Wheaton. Wait, why? Why? Because you always go Will Wheaton. Well, um, Cookie's trying to say anything about Will Wheaton, and it's but funny. I didn't say you do a very funny. You do a very funny Will Wheaton. That's quite funny. But I don't. But I wasn't saying Will Wheaton. I know, but it's just a thing, and I. Will Wheaton. I love it. Do it again. Will Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. No, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> Twerk it, baby. <laughs> oh, oh God, she's gone. <sighs> Yikes.